2: an introduction to their political contacts, contacts they only had because of their position, there'd be a scandal. So what if they were selling businessmen secret access to a foreign government, and in particular to the controversial Russian president, Vladimir Putin? Putin.
3: Prince Michael of Kent is alleged to have been secretly selling his privileged access to Vladimir Putin's Russian regime to business clients who are seeking favours from the Kremlin by taking advantage of his role as Her Majesty's unofficial ambassador to Russia.
2: Britain says Russia poses the greatest threat to its national security. The government imposed fresh sanctions against Russia after the Salisbury poisoning and criticised the Kremlin. For its attempts to undermine democracy. So, at a time when relations couldn't be more tense, should a member of the royal family be cozying up to Putin for business reasons?
4: For a member of the royal family to be discussing his connections in Russia with respective clients seeking access to the Kremlin at a time when Britain has imposed sanctions on the country is highly
2: controversial,
4: to say the least.
2: An extraordinary undercover investigation by the Sunday Times Insight team, working with Channel 4's Dispatches programme, has revealed how a member of the royal family is alleged to be selling their privileged access to Vladimir Putin's regime to businesses who want to curry favour with the Kremlin. All for a price. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, an Insight Investigation. The Prince, the Palace, and Putin. It could be a business meeting like any other these days. On an occasionally frayed Zoom line, terms are being agreed and a deal is being hatched. But unlike most Zoom calls, one side of this business deal has a royal palace as a backdrop.
0: And how about uh, the fee, 200,000 US dollars, that we have offered? Was it acceptable, sir? Oh, yes, sir. Well, very
5: much, so. Thank you. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, very good. Thank you so much. Yes. Is it
6: in line with what you'd normally charge for a speech like this,
0: sir?
5: Yes, indeed, sir, so. and I have no no questions for you on that. I'm very happy with your suggestion. And uh, I think that's very, very good and very generous of you.
2: The Queen's cousin, Prince Michael of Kent, immaculately dressed and sporting a beard that makes him look strikingly like the last Tsar of Russia, is agreeing a fee for a speech. He's talking to a South Korean woman who he thinks is an employee of a Seoul-based gold company called House of Haidong. But she's not in Seoul, and she doesn't work for the company. In fact, the company doesn't exist. She's a journalist sat in an office in London. She's working with the Sunday Times Insight team who have contacted Prince Michael of Kent because of his links to Russia.
5: I've been uh, connected with Russia for a long time. I became involved as patron of the Russo-British Chamber of Commerce in 1998, at the time of the collapse of the ruble. And um, I was there um, on that occasion and go there with my um, Russo-British hat on about once or twice a year, either to Russia or they come here. In addition to that, I've traveled extensively around Russia uh, for many different reasons, but mainly on business in connection with the chamber.
6: If you want to get into Russia, right, you have to go through the Putinistas.
2: Prince Michael of Kent's business associate and old friend, the Marquis of Reading, is also on the call.
6: And the best way of getting through the Putinistas are through himself. Putin. Through Putin himself.
2: The audio you can hear was recorded during an investigation by the Sunday Times Insight team working with a Channel 4 dispatches program to discover whether a member of the royal family was using their position and their connections to the despotic regime in Russia to make money. The investigation was sparked by information
3: about a party in 2013. Some time sm- prior to the meeting, this newspaper had been given documentary evidence that showed that Prince Michael had taken part in an event at Kensington Palace, which had been used to sell access to Putin for paying clients.
2: That's the Sunday Times Insight editor, Jonathan Calvert. He's telling me about the source of their investigation, a party at a royal palace which was used to sell access to Vladimir Putin, of all people.
3: The event was being organised by Prince Michael's long-term friend and business partner, the Marquess of Reading. We had seen documents sent out by Lord Reading which said that if you sponsored this event or bought tickets, it was an opportunity to meet initially members of the Kremlin, but ultimately to meet Putin himself and... Kensington Palace, actually, I mean, it can be hired for functions, but it is also the place where Prince Michael lives. And he was the patron of the event, along with Vladimir Putin.
2: Vladimir Putin was a patron of an event at Kensington Palace.
3: This was back in 2013, just before Putin's Russia had... Invaded Ukraine and, and relations started to fall apart. But I mean, it was after the poisoning of, and killing of Alexander Litvinenko in the UK, and so relations with Russia were already pretty strained. But yes, this event, the joint patrons were Prince Michael and Vladimir Putin. Putin had actually written a letter
4: endorsing the event, which the Marcus of Reading sent to our source and which kind of showed you know, helped show the credibility of the claim that paying clients could meet Putin.
2: That's Georgia Arbuthnot, the deputy editor of Insight, picking up the story.
4: And he's actually got Putin's signature on and the coat of arms of the Russian state. So he was providing documentary evidence to, to back up his business offering.
3: The dinner went ahead and it was attended by several of Putin's cronies including oligarchs, former KGB agents, and Kremlin-backed politicians. Prince Michael was photographed holding a picture of the coat of arms of the Russian state alongside two Kremlin allies of Putin. Three Russian guests had later become the subject of Western sanctions following the country's invasion of Ukraine and also, of course, its chemical weapons attack on Salisbury.
2: This is clearly a dubious crowd he's already socialising with back in 2013.
3: They were a rogue regime then, as they are now.
2: And for, for a lot of people who, who aren't close royal watchers, just tell us, who is Prince Michael of Kent?
4: Prince Michael's the first cousin to the Queen. Um, he's now 78 years old. He was actually a page at the wedding between the Queen and Prince Philip many years ago. But since then, he has formally represented Her Majesty at a number of events. Um, He doesn't receive taxpayer-funded income from the the civil list, but his police protection is paid from the public purse. And he finances his royal lifestyle by acting as a consultant for business clients. Um, And his personal company, which is called Cantium Services, has raked in more than £2.2 million over the last
3: five years without paying a penny of tax.
2: Is that allowed?
3: Yeah, I mean, you you can get away without paying tax if your outgoings are so much that you don't make a profit.
2: And is he allowed as a member of the royal family to profit from from his position? Because we sort of had this debate around Harry and Meghan and whether they should be allowed to turn Sussex Royal into a brand. How is he managing to use his title in order to to be a consultant?
4: That's the central core of, of the investigation to some extent in that we wanted to look at whether royal family members were exploiting their royal status for personal profit. And obviously with the, the Sussexes leaving the royal family and starting to earn their own money and there's become an increasingly intense debate about whether that's right.
2: And have they actually, the Sussexes, looked at the example being set by Prince Michael?
4: Last year the Duchess of Sussex drew attention to Prince Michael's commercial status in court documents to argue that there was precedent for royals such as herself and Prince Harry, earning money in the private sector while still retaining royal status.
2: Prince Michael of Kent has had close links to Russia from birth and he's had close relations with the Putin regime for more than a decade. He was awarded the Order of Friendship at the Kremlin in 2009. In the period that's followed, there have been several flare-ups in Russian-British relations – including the Skripal poisoning in Salisbury. But Prince Michael's friendships appear to have endured.
4: It has been reported that Prince Michael has made a lot of money in Russia. And it is well known that the prince has strong links to the country.
5: As patron of the Russo-British Chamber of Commerce, it gives me great pleasure to welcome you to Russia Talk Online. He's treated with great reverence
4: there, partly because of his familial connection and also uncanny resemblance to Nicholas II, who was the murdered last Tsar of Russia, who he's, he's related to, and he's also a fluent Russian
5: speaker. Russia Talk. Very little was known about his actual
4: personal business he was doing and how he was making money um, himself from the country. He's also one of t- only a tiny handful of British people to have ever been given one of the Kremlin's highest honours.
0: It's
4: called the Order of Friendship for his work on Anglo-Russian relations. Other Brits to have received that award include George Blake, who was the British double agent, who said to have betrayed <laughs> up to 400 spies to the KGB and the former Archbishop, uh, Canterbury Rowan Williams, who was awarded it for his love of Russian literature.
2: It's an unlikely trio. Do we know much about his relationship with Putin in particular? Because that's a very odd part of the story. What do we know about the prince's connections to the Russian president?
3: Well, the Order of Friendship in 2009 uh, was presented at a reception in in the Kremlin by the then president, Dmitry Medvedev who is often described as uh, Putin's puppet. However, it's not been an awful lot known about the prince's links to the man pulling the strings, Putin himself. The Russian leader was spotted seeking out and warmly greeting the prince at a ball in St. Petersburg in 2001. And the pair were th- photographed together during the Russian leader's 2003 state visit uh, to London. This is before the Litvinenko murder, at a time when the relations between Britain and Russia were more cordial. During the visit, his wife, Princess Michael, was seated next to Putin at the banquet and she was pictured warmly touching the Russian leader's arm as they uh, laughed together. Uh, It's quite a famous picture. Since then, very little information has appeared in the public domain linking the two men.
2: And in terms of our relations with Russia at the moment,
1: just how bad are they? The European Union and Britain are imposing sanctions on top Russian officials close to President Vladimir Putin in an unexpectedly robust response to the august poisoning of Kremlin critic Alexei Navalny.
6: President Putin has warned the West not to cross what he called a red line with Russia, stating that it would trigger an asymmetrical, rapid and harsh
4: response. I mean, relations are at absolute rock bottom. There was a report put out by the government only a month ago which ranked Russia as the number one threat to the UK above rogue states like North Korea and Iran. And the reason for that is the chemical weapons attack in Salisbury, and the invasion of the Ukraine in 2014, the meddling in our elections. On almost every imaginable level, Russia has been committing extreme hostile acts against us and Putin has become Britain's number one
2: enemy. So... At a time when Britain is imposing sanctions and conducting a carefully calibrated foreign policy to highlight anger at Russia's rogue behaviour, Prince Michael appears to be extending the hand of friendship. And on that Zoom call, as Prince Michael tried to bag a contract with a South Korean gold company promising them access to Vladimir Putin, the extent of his friendship and connections with the regime were laid bare. You see, Prince
6: Michael is not seen to be political. He's definitely a step up above the business, the diplomacy, uh, uh, and I think he regards Prince Michael as a friend of Russia.
2: That's the prince's old friend and business partner, the Marquis of Reading, on that Zoom call. He's a key character in agreeing the terms of this deal. So what do we know about the Marquis?
3: He has been doing business with Prince Michael on and off for many years. And when we initially approached him, he was he was very keen to do all sorts of gold and other mineral deals with us. He seemed very up for um, attracting South Korean investment into his gold schemes. He was born within two months of Prince Michael in
4: 1942. they have been friends since they shared the same house at Eton College together. And when they left school, they both went for officer training at Sandhurst, and both joined cavalry regiments. And Prince Michael is actually the godfather to the Marquess's older son, Viscount Julian Early. Reading himself worked in stockbroking and cosmetics before taking on a number of directorship roles. And he says he's been travelling with Prince Michael to Russia for business for, for more than 30 years.
2: It's quite a cast of characters And we have the beginnings of a remarkable plot. So how did Insight go undercover to meet Prince Michael of Kent? We'll be back on that Zoom call in just a moment. But first, for more access to extraordinary investigations, subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times today and get one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories
1: of our times.
0: That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
7: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.
2: How do you investigate a member of the royal family who's suspected to be making money by selling access to the despotic Russian leader Vladimir Putin? For the Sunday Times Insight team, they knew they'd have to use a degree of subterfuge, which can only be used if there's a public interest in the investigation. Here's Jonathan Calvert, the Insight editor, explaining how they went undercover.
3: We'd hired out um, an office near Liverpool Street, one of those kind of virtual offices that people hire out for meetings and things. And we had two different rooms because one of the callers was a South Korean journalist. Who was assisting us for this project. She was using the name Sukiyang Kim from the house of Dong, And she was calling into, into the palace from South Korea. And so we had to be quite careful with all sorts of things like, for example, you know, the, the daytime is different in in South Korea. So we made sure we didn't have windows open showing it was daylight. And We had to dress the room a little bit so the backdrop looked a little bit more South Korean and also looked different from the room that I was in because I was in a different room which had daylight coming into showing that I was in London. So I was in London and Sukien Kim was in South Korea. And we were just down the corridor from each other. And as we were doing it with Channel 4...
2: And, in fact, a dispatcher's documentary on the investigation will be aired on Channel 4 this evening.
3: They had film cameras in just filming us as we interacted. We had some software on our um, computers which just recorded the Zoom call. And it was a normal Zoom call. There was nothing special about it.
2: And what were you wearing? I mean, how do you dress up as a highfalutin businessman who might be running a multi-million Pound deal
3: I was playing a consultant so I didn't have to be too kind of millionaireish. I I needed to look different and so I swept my hair back and grew a moustache and wore some round <laughs> spectacles George described me as looking quite kind of sinister actually
4: in retrospect it looked exactly like a guy in
3: disguise
2: it sounds like you sufficiently disguised yourself with a moustache but were you worried that he'd see through it at all
3: yeah, absolutely. I mean, you would always worry that somebody isn't going to take you seriously. What you're trying to do is you're just trying to replicate what happen in their normal lives. They are offering a service. We're a business seeking that service. And obviously, you want them to feel as relaxed about that as, as they would in a normal meeting. So you don't want to make them think this is very odd by looking mm. odd or your appearance. And obviously, it all falls apart if they think, this is an investigative journalist, and then they look at investigative journalists up online.
2: In order to prepare for the meeting, they also needed to create a credible fake company.
3: All we really do is create a website, which is a very rudimentary website. But in order to create the website which was talking about gold investment, we did quite a lot of reading up about the gold business. And to a certain extent, I suppose you have to create a backstory for your the character you're playing. In this case, I was someone called Simon King. And basically, he had a kind of career history that, if asked, I would be able to kind of recount. But on the whole, we don't tend to go to too elaborate ends. It tends to be quite straightforward and simple.
2: Jonathan, who was introduced to Prince Michael of Kent as business consultant Simon King, was joined on the Zoom call from a different office down the corridor by a South Korean freelance journalist acting as an executive of the House of Haidong, the fake gold company they'd created.
4: It gives it a bit more authenticity if you have someone from the country where the business you're purporting to be from is based. Um, The reason we chose South Korea partly is because it's it's obviously um, harder for people to look you up if it's an Asian country rather than the UK, for example.
2: It may be tempting to think this is how all investigations are conducted – But the Insight team don't make a habit of assuming false identities.
3: On occasion, the Sunday Times authorises journalists to assume false identities in order to get to the bottom of allegations that we consider to be in the public interest but people might wish to conceal. We have to have a credible reason to believe that the allegations are true and we have to have exhausted all other means to find out the information. And in this particular case, we felt that was the case.
2: The Sunday Times Insight team joined forces with Channel 4's dispatches programme for this investigation.
3: So as a result of all of that, we created a few false names, bought a burner phone, and then we were ready for off, really. The company was looking to hire a royal family member to market its investment service by emphasising the link between the gold and monarchy. It's worth adding on the website, we really made clear that this was
4: a company that was exploiting the royal angle. Um, So we had crowns on every page. uh, We had royal references and royal imagery.
3: Then we wrote to Prince Michael through the Marcus of Reading saying we were looking for an ambassador with links to royalty uh, to take up a paid role in the launch of the House of Haedong, which would be held at a kind of upmarket South Korean holiday island resort called Jeju-do in the late spring. The letter said that the House of Hodong was planning to set up a Moscow office and offered to hire the prince as an advisor to use his excellent contacts in Russia. And the Marcus of Reading responded immediately and set up a meeting initially between himself, our fake South Korean executive, Sukyem Kim, and the prince's private secretary, Camilla Rogers.
2: During that initial meeting, the Marquess of Reading was keen to emphasise the prince's links with Russia.
4: Reading was pretty quick to talk about how Prince Michael had said that when they were in St Petersburg once, how it felt like he was coming home. And he kind of laughed when he said that, in many ways, he's almost more Russian than he is British. We then asked whether Prince Michael would be able to make introductions to people high up in the Russian government. And Camilla Rogers said that he could certainly help in that sense, and that there was was always a way in to the people we were looking to be in touch with. She did caution that there are certain protocols that um, members of the royal family have to follow, and that they can't get involved in politics. But she added that it doesn't mean that he doesn't know political figures and therefore can't possibly get involved in such a way. Reading then got more specific and talked about their key contact in the Kremlin, who was Putin. And he said he's met Putin himself a couple of times and had made good friends with the Putinistas who surrounded the president, and that the prince had a real credibility with the Russian leader. So he really was selling their connection to the Putin regime.
2: After that initial meeting, Camilla Rogers, Prince Michael's private secretary, went back and discussed the terms of the deal with him. She then emailed the team to tell them that she'd
4: discussed both the speech proposal and the ongoing ambassadorial role with Prince Michael. Should both sides decide to proceed, he has agreed to the terms suggested.
2: Arrangements were made for a second Zoom meeting the following week. The Insight team set up two hired offices in Liverpool Street, just as they had the first time round. Jonathan, pretending to be the London-based business consultant Simon King, was set up in one, and down the corridor... The windows were covered up and another office was transformed into the headquarters of the House of Haidong in South
3: Korea. On the other side of the screen was Lord Reading from his home in, in Gloucestershire on his sofa. And then there was Prince Michael of Kent. Famous face, which we knew well from kind of royal balconies and hundreds and thousands of pictures over the years, I guess.
2: Was that very weird when he suddenly popped up on Zoom?
3: It is, yes. In life, we don't often meet members of the royal family. So as we understand it, Prince Michael Kent is in Kensington Palace, his home. And he's also got his private assistant, two on side, although out of the screen, who's helping him with the technology. And no sooner had we started, uh, than the thing that happens with Zoom calls happened, which is the last thing you want to happen. And the Zoom call in Kensington Palace just collapsed. It just disappeared. Oh no. It took ooh, I think about 5 or 6 minutes before he he came back, not on a computer but on an iPhone. It's never the most flattering uh, picture for anyone, I guess. He made an opening a- address in the Zoom meeting and uh, he talked about how the Russian presidency had bestowed on him the Order of Friendship, which is one of the Kremlin's highest awards.
2: The prince was also keen to explain his long connections with the country.
5: I've been Uh, connected with Russia for a long time I became involved as patron of the Russo-British Chamber of Commerce in 1998 at the time of the collapse of the Ruble and I was there um, on that occasion and go there with my uh, Russo-British hat on about once or twice a year either to Russia or they come here Um, In addition to that, I've travelled extensively around Russia uh, for many different reasons, but mainly on business in connection with the Chamber. The Prince's office had previously confirmed in writing
3: that he would set $50,000 a month to advise the firm on dealings in Russia. And at the meeting, he said that he was excited to take up the role with the fictional gold company.
5: I have uh, never had any close connection before with gold. Um, And the the idea makes me very
3: happy. He also confirmed that he would give the firm his royal endorsement in a recorded speech for its its launch event. And he said he would be happy to use his home Kensington Palace as the backdrop to impress the uh, company's investors. The fee for the speech was just a one-off. It was $200,000, which the prince confirmed was the amount he normally charges clients for speaking to engagements. Basically what Prince Michael was doing, he was doing the kind of the meet and greet. He was telling us that he was enthusiastic, he liked the idea of working with the company, he thought that the money on offer was good and he wanted to know a little bit more about the company, but on the whole he seemed very positive about going ahead.
2: At this point, the Prince logged off the Zoom call, with the Marquess of Reading staying on to discuss the details of the deal.
3: It was in this section of the meeting that the Marquis of Reading really began to tell us about the special Russian service which he claimed the prince could offer.
6: If I can say this, this is kind of slightly discreet, we're talking relatively discreetly here, because we wouldn't want um, the world to know that he's seeing Putin um, uh, purely for business reasons,
3: so if you follow me. He said it was secret, but Prince Michael could gain privileged access to Vladimir Putin, the Russian president for foreign business clients seeking favours from the Kremlin. It was interesting to hear it straight out of the Marcus of Reading's mouth. He required very little prompting to offer it.
2: And when you say secret, what did he say about that?
3: He said on a number of occasions, he kind of cautioned during the meeting that this was all highly confidential and it should remain so. But he said, and this is a direct quote from him, we're talking relatively discreetly here because we wouldn't want the world to know but he is seen Putin purely for business reasons. How much would he normally charge clients for that type of work? If you're looking at, say,
6: uh, five days, of which four would be business, right, But I would say uh, a visit like that would be um, probably, with all the organisations, something in the region of £50,000.
2: That 50000 would be on top of the 200000 for the speech endorsing the House of Haidong which the prince would record for the launch of the business.
3: The prince was being hired to forge contacts and create business relationships with the Putin regime. Reading claimed Prince Michael was a friend of Putin and that he could provide this cash for Putin's service by taking advantage of his position as Her Majesty's unofficial ambassador to Russia. That, he said, gave him regular access to the Russian leader, which was important because If a firm wishes to do business in Russia, you need the support that contacts in the Kremlin might provide. This is why Marcus of Reading was persuading us to hire Prince Michael for this service, was that he would go to the Kremlin, and he would meet Putin, and he would put in a good word for the company.
6: If he's representing the House of Haidong, he could mention that to Putin, and Putin would find the right person um, who's interested in South Korea or interested in gold, it just opens the door, you, you know, which yes. is uh, so helpful.
3: According to Reading, the prince's relationship with the Russian president had not been harmed by the numerous recent attacks perpetrated by the Kremlin regime on the West.
6: You see, Prince Michael is not seen to be political. He's definitely a step up above the business, the diplomacy, uh, uh, and he, he, I think he regards Prince Michael as a friend of
3: Russia. He described how Prince Michael might be able to arrange for meetings with Putin for clients. And that was a possibility, he said, but it was more likely that he could certainly represent their interests to the Russian leader.
6: If you want to get into Russia, right, you have to go through the Putinistas. And the best way of getting through the Putinistas are through himself. Putin. To Putin himself.
3: And then he added, that's the key, really. I think all this, as long as you get authority from the top, you can get virtually anything done in Russia. When we asked whether the prince had done this for companies before, Reading replied, he's been able to do that, but he doesn't broadcast it. We were astonished by his candor. I mean, he was talking very openly about a member of the royal family secretly making money out of representing his clients to this, I don't know, tyrannical Russian leader whose state is regarded as very much like an outlaw state. And yet the prince regarded him as friend, according to Reading, and he was willing to go to the Kremlin and make money out of him.
2: In terms of the rules that govern the royals, though, has he done anything wrong?
3: So the
4: rules, it's quite vague what, applies to our family and what doesn't. I mean, the Nolan Principles
2: seems like they do. So, the Nolan Principles were first set out by Lord Nolan in the wake of a series of Tory sleaze scandals in 1995. The seven principles outline the ethical standards that people working in public life are expected to adhere to. They include selflessness, integrity, objectivity, accountability openness, honesty, and leadership.
4: The Queen expects royal family members to adhere to the Nolan principles. But here the prince is alleged to be using the privileged access he gets through his royal status to Vladimir Putin's regime for personal profit. The Nolan principles say that you must always use your public position for the public interest, not for personal gain. What
2: happened after the Zoom call?
4: So the day after the Zoom call, the Marquess sent the House of Haidong an email, uh, which was copied into Prince Michael's private secretary, in which he expressed his excitement at working with the fictitious company. But he said, we do wish to stress that this was considered a preliminary meeting. Uh, we need further discussions, particularly in relation to Russia. After that, they wanted to have a meeting with a more senior member of the company, which would be tricky for us to arrange because we didn't have another South Korean undercover reporter. So at that point, we decided to sever contact with the Marquis and Prince Michael and and said that we were no longer considering them for the role. When approached for comment last week, Prince Michael's office said that the prince did not have a special relationship with Putin and not been in contact with the Russian leader for 18 years. The statement added... Lord Reading is a good friend who made suggestions which Prince Michael would not have wanted or been able to fulfil. The Marquis of Reading said, I was trying to facilitate an introduction to my friend, Prince Michael. I made a mistake and overpromised, and for that, I am truly regretful.
2: It's a very colourful story. You've got palaces and princes and Putin. But why do you think it matters so much? Well,
3: I, mean, I just think it's kind of inappropriate and ethical and wrong that a member of our royal family should be using their privileged position, which opens doors to foreign leaders in a number of countries, because they are part of the royal family, and in this case, a cousin of the Queen, to make money from it, and in particular, to make money from a leader such as Vladimir Putin, who is under sanctions, his cronies are under sanctions for the invasion of Ukraine. There's been a huge debate because of the Duke Conductors of Sussex departure from Royal Duties
4: about whether royal family members are now starting to increasingly exploit their royal status for personal profit, mm. And this is a very clear example of that. And it'll be interesting to see the reaction of the public to see whether they think that's appropriate.
2: You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, the editor and deputy editor of The Sunday Times Insight team, Jonathan Calvert and George Arbuthnot. You can read more of Insight's investigations at thetimes.co.uk or in print on Sundays. Channel 4's Dispatches programme covering the story will air tonight at 730 The producers today were Asia Fuchs and Edward Drummond. The executive producer is Poppy Damon. And sound design was by Gareth Isles. If there's a story that you'd like us to look into, any ideas for future episodes, or if you have any thoughts on what you've just heard, then please do get in touch. You can email us at storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. See you tomorrow.